the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, January the 30th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On January 30, 1933, Adolf Hitler became Chancellor of Germany. Today in 1649, England's King Charles I was executed for high treason. Today, 1945, during World War II, a Soviet submarine torpedoed the German ship MV Wilhelm Gustloff in the uh, Baltic Sea with the loss of more than 9,000 lives. Most of them war refugees, roughly 1,000 survived. Today, in 1968, the Tet Offensive began during the world uh, during the Vietnam War. Communist forces launched surprise attacks against South Vietnamese towns and cities. The U.S. and allies were able to push them back, but many saw that as a turning point in the war. Many of lives of our own young men and women, I suppose, but men that I knew lost their lives during that time. One in particular that I worked with, he did not come back alive. Today, 1972, 13 Roman Catholic Civil rights marchers were shot to death by British soldiers in Northern Ireland. That became known as Bloody Sunday. Today, in 1981, an estimated 2 million New Yorkers turned out for a ticker tape parade. They were honoring the American hostages that had been freed from Iran. I mentioned that in this little segment we do every morning on this program. We mentioned, oh, six or four, five, six things that happened on this particular day in history because I think that it's valuable for us to know history because it helps us understand our own times and the future as we know the past. So anyway, I mentioned that the other day about the hostages, the day that Ronald Reagan was inaugurated as president of the United States, Iran released the hostages that Jimmy Carter as president, had been trying to get released for quite some time and not successful at doing so. So the uh, the New Yorkers turned out in mass, two million of them. Five years ago today, at his first State of the Union address, President Donald Trump, he called on Congress to make, a, make good on a long-standing promise to fix a, a fractured immigration system. He issued warnings about deadly gangs, the scourge of drugs and violent immigrants living in the country illegally. He talked quite a bit about that. It's interesting that the Associated Press really condemns him and almost mocks his speech this morning. They always do this um, when even the name of Donald Trump comes up. But it's interesting that what he was saying then has become epidemic now under President Joe Biden. He was talking about long-standing promises to fix a fractured immigration system. We don't even have an immigration system now. It's beyond fractured. Deadly gangs, by all accounts, deadly gangs, cartels, 
are running the U.S. border. They're deciding who comes across and when they come across. Our, not that our border people are incompetent. They're not. It's just that they have been hobbled by Joe Biden's ideology, I guess, about his agenda. And I don't know what his agenda is. He talks about America as a place that he likes and, and wants to lead to prosperity or whatever. And then he opens the border, the southern border, and they're flooding in here by the millions of America's population was just the other day, and I mentioned it on this program, but I mentioned it again. 1% of our population has now approached the number that that is illegal immigrants. In other words, 1% of our population today are illegals. I don't know. America needs good leadership. I'll tell you, the green, this green energy thing, I want to talk to you a little bit about that today from a spiritual point of view. But, um, boy, there's a, a study out this morning. There was a, quite an article on it in some of the business uh, news organizations. Uh, it says the cost of, of fuel for electric vehicles in the United States is now higher than gas-powered cars for the first time. This consulting company, this Anderson Economic Group, AEG, they put out an analysis. I, I think it was more directed at people buying and selling stock and one thing or another. But they said in, in quarter four of 2022, that'd be the last quarter of 2022, typical mid-priced ICE, uh, not the border people, but the internal combustion engine, ICE car drivers, paid about $11.29 to fuel their vehicles for 100 miles of driving. That cost was about uh, $0.31 cents cheaper than the amount paid by mid-priced EV drivers, electric vehicle drivers, charging mostly uh, at home at over $3 less than the cost borne by comparable EV drivers charging commercially. And it goes on to, it's a long article, but I found that interesting. So, But I don't think the, the, the government and the green agenda, which is a religion, I mean, there's religious fervor there, but there's, there's, it is religion. For the people that are really espousing this and, and that believe it, I don't know if all who espouse it do believe it, but I do believe that it has become a religion of sorts with those who are carrying the banner for that. It's interesting. Uh, Governor Chris Sununu, he's the uh, a Republican, kind of a moderate in New Hampshire. He said he was on uh, CNN on Sunday on the State of the Union, uh, their program, and uh he said it's not the government's job to address cultural issues. And that caught my attention. This anchor, this Dana uh, Bash that was on there, she said, I, I want to play something that you said in an inaugural address earlier this month, meaning the gubernatorial uh, address that he gave um, in New Hampshire. During his inaugural speech, Sununu said, quote, it's not right to tell a private business what they can or cannot do. It's not the New Hampshire way to force locally elected and accountable school districts or town councils to bend in the state house's will. That's not leadership, and it's not conservative. It's certainly not freedom. Then Bash went on to say she was quoting Sununu to him on the program. She went on to say, if I didn't know better, I would, I, I would think that 
there was a thinly veiled shot at your Republican governor down south, Governor Ron DeSantis, because he's made a point of picking fights with private businesses and schools over cultural issues. Now, he has, and I, I believe he's getting ready to announce that he's running for, for the United States uh, president presidency. But he strikes a contrast between Sununu and um, some others who, who, who disagree, myself included. But there is a point to be made. So Sununu was saying, on the one hand, he, he didn't he didn't admit whether he was kind of taking a shot at DeSantis or not. And that's not my point. You know, politics is what it is. But uh, Sununu said, well, look, he said, I think a lot of Republican leadership is getting behind this idea that we have to fight. I get it in a leadership position. You have to be willing to have the fight, but we cannot have the leadership that is only about the fight. He said a lot of Republicans are frustrated. Independents are frustrated because they see this woke culture, the woke cancel culture invading our societies and in our communities. Sununu concluded on that point. He said, my argument is the government is not the solution to cultural issues. And we have a cultural problem, but the government isn't going to come with a big, heavy army and solve that problem. I, I get what he was trying to get to and what, what he was saying. There is, there is a, a thread of truth in that, I think. And there's a thread of truth in what DeSantis is doing. We live, the, and the problem is that we live in a time when our when our, our our nation that was founded on biblical eternal principles and it flourished is now they're taking the prosperity of the result of the beliefs that founded this nation and they're channeling those resources like green energy god never said we should have a green program like these guys have developed. It's a false religion. But we do. And they're advancing it. They're pushing it forward. So we're caught between sort of claiming to believe certain things, but not acting on them. And I think Sununu is right. The government should not be the enforcer of, of cultural values. The Bible should be the light. And if we don't put the word of God out, if we don't extend ourselves into the culture, then the culture begins to die. And that's what we're seeing today. And I agree, the armies of Washington, D.C. cannot solve the, obviously, cannot solve the moral problems in our nation today. It was Daniel Webster, not a founding father, but a next generation. And I quote him often because he said a lot, and he said what he said was very consequential to life here and now and in the future, in eternity. He was a devout Christian. But he said, hold on, my friends, to the Constitution and to the Republic for which it stands. Miracles do not cluster. And what has happened once in 6,000 years, he was talking about the founding of America in the generation before him. He said it may not happen again. He said, hold on to the Constitution for if the American Constitution should fail, there would be anarchy throughout all the world. We truly became that city, the light on the hill. Webster went on to say, if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. But if we in our posterity neglect its instruction and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury all our 
all our glory in profound obscurity. And he said, finally, finally, he said, let us not forget the religious character of our origin. Our fathers were brought here by their high veneration for the Christian religion. They journeyed by its light. They labored in its hope. They sought to incorporate its principles with the elements of their society and to diffuse its influence through all of their institutions, civil, political, and literary. So he said, let us cherish these sentiments and extend this influence still more widely in full conviction that that is the happiest society which takes part in the highest degree of the mild and peaceful spirit of Christianity. He wasn't advocating that the government do it. He was advocating that the citizens do it, Christian citizens. And we were asleep at the wheel for a generation or two regarding the moral issues. And a a minority of people co-opted the moral leadership in America and took us down this path to where we are today. And yes, it is time to take a stand. And we, what we need in government is someone who is not undermining the faith while they claim to be devoutly faithful. We need someone. I'm not talking about a Republican or Democrat. I'm talking about a person who really believes in these eternal principles and who will get the government out of the way and get the government out of our lives so that we can live our lives to the glory of God, according to the Bible, just as those guys that came across on the boats from England. That's what we need in America. We don't need government intervention in our moral issues. We just simply need them to quit fighting us and undermining us. But Joe Biden can't can't seem to bring himself to that. On the one hand, he claims that he is a devout Catholic. And on the other hand, he acts like he is an absolute contrary, the enemy of everything Catholicism stands for and Protestant biblical Christianity stands for as well. That's the problem that we have in America today. It's called hypocrisy. The Greek word for hypocrisy in the New Testament that's used often is actor. They use the word that we use for hypocrisy as a word to define actors who went on stage and pretended to be something and they played the role of whatever. We have a hypocrisy problem in America and the President of the United States is the leader of the parade, in my opinion. I want to talk a little bit about the green agenda today. The Biden administration signed a deal with countries fully engaged with brutal child labor nearly a week before blocking a major Minnesota mining project as part of their green agenda. On Thursday, the Biden administration announced it would prohibit mining in more than 200,000 acres of land for waterway protection, effectively canceling a major Minnesota mining project. But just one week prior... The administration, we now know, agreed to a memorandum of understanding with Zambia and the Democratic Republic of the Congo, two countries known for mining rare metals and of cobalt and, and copper for using, and they, they use brutal labor, kid, child labor to mine these metals. You have to ask yourself, 
Are values seen as mere gimmicks for the left? Is their belief so transitory that they believe in one thing to accomplish this certain goal or agenda or end and believe then in something else when that's not convenient? Well, the, the simple answer to that is yes. Apparently, the left's green push to save the planet assigns little value to the life of poor and underprivileged black kids living in some of the poorest countries on the planet. This caught my attention when I saw this. The Biden administration's actions are offensive to me personally on several levels. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I've spent a good deal of time in Africa in Christian missionary work. He hasn't. I doubt that he's ever been there. Maybe he's been to a resort or two. But I've seen the poverty. I've seen the abuses of the people in these countries. I've spent time with them. I've been in their humble little huts with dirt floors that they call home. And I've been with them in their simple little church buildings with four walls and a roof and pews if they were fortunate. I've prayed with them in their homes. I've worshipped God with them in their churches. I know those people. They don't deserve that. He doesn't have a clue what he's doing or he doesn't care. I'm profoundly offended by our president's recent actions. I'm not speaking as a voice for Minnesota mining. I'm simply talking about the hypocrisy that runs so deep in this government. God help us. A new law prevents supplies from China for electric vehicles and other green energy products to come to the United States. That's halting a Biden administration priority. The New York Times is talking a little bit about it. The Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act requires proof that any products coming from the province that produces this in China, one of the main sources of products crucial in making batteries with uh, where uh, were free of forced labor, uh, according to the New York Times report. And that this was last summer they were talking about this. I went back and read it and studied a little bit. To fuel this green gospel that we're hearing about the last two or three years, to fuel this agenda, the president and his people have now signed an agreement to take advantage of slaves in Africa rather than slaves in China. That's the bottom line. According to the State Department press release, the Memorandum of Understanding was was signed to strengthen electric vehicle batteries. The administration, as you know, is fully committed to remaking the country and pushing this electric vehicle thing to replace traditional gas ones. They're way over their skis on this. They're way ahead of, if if we are to become a battery-driven country, then okay. But, I mean, they're pushing this at I don't believe, personally, I don't believe it's for the for the better for America. It's an agenda that they're pushing while people like Al Gore and others rake in millions and millions and millions of dollars. That's what it's really about. And we, the people, come along behind the elite and we carry their baggage for them. And personally, I'm getting sick and tired of it. The Democrat Republic of Congo produces over 70% of the world's cobalt, and Zambia is the world's sixth largest copper producer. This is according to the department press release. These metals are vital in making electric 
vehicle batteries as well as other devices like cell phones, for example, uh, need that those rare earth as well. But the mines producing the metals for these electric vehicle batteries are run largely by child labor. Even the Department of Labor admits that in other documents, not when they're talking about this issue. But in Congo, thousands of children also work in cobalt and copper mines in the southern Copper Belt region. But the mines producing the metals for these electric vehicle batteries are run largely by child labor. So why... Why is he on the one hand saying, oh, we want to honor the Uyghurs and we're, we're not going to take advantage of them. And, and China is taking advantage of them. It's horrible. The atrocities are many. But our government has no moral leadership. So politically, they cancel one deal because they're getting heat from people about it. And they turn right around and they exchange the Uyghur slaves for the black kids to be slaves in Africa. And that's what it is. The press stays away from this at all costs. They don't want to get into this. They don't want to report this. The Sid, Siddharth Kara writes a lot about this. Kara wrote, as automakers gather at this new, this upcoming convention, to proudly announce their newest models of EVs. I wonder how much time they'll spend discussing that this is the kind of hellscape from which the cobalt in their batteries is mined. And it's a picture of just a crude gouge into the earth. Talk about environmentalism. Yeah. It's a huge gash into the earth, and there's hundreds, if not thousands, of men and children carrying bags of or out of the earth so they can be refined and used in America and elsewhere. It's not the fact that we're using their products that bothers me. It's the fact of the rank hypocrisy that drives all of this. Prevalence of child labor is highest in the country's artisanal and small-scale mining sector. The reason is because they operate with minimal oversight. There's not as much oversight. Child labor has been detected at one in four of the ASM sites. The president doesn't care because he's hypocritical. He gets heat about the Uyghurs in China, the Muslims that they use as slaves. So, boom, he goes the other side of the, 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 the planet and does the same thing. He goes over and says, okay, well, we won't use those slaves anymore. We'll use the slaves in Africa. I don't mean to be crass, but I mean, can anybody turn on the lights? Meanwhile, the Department of the Interior signed this public land order, 7917. It blocked 225,504 acres of land from being mined in Minnesota. This effectively halted a major nickel-copper mining operation in the state. It caused Americans, many of them, thousands of them, to lose their jobs. Same with the Keystone Pipeline, a different issue, but it's the same thing. The United States turned to the use of African child labor to make progress in saving the planet from carbon. Does anybody really believe this stuff other than Greta? 
Dr. Mark Cherry is a professor of applied ethics at St. Edwards University in Austin, Texas. He's written a number of papers and books on the subject, and he does a lot of reviews on other people's writing. He's, he's very brilliant. He wrote an article recently that it applies universally uh, to medicine, but the principle applies universally to biblical worldview. I want to share just a few words, and I want to be sure that I document these are his words, not mine, but they're wise words. They're very, very wise. And he was talking about another book, and he was writing it for college professors and guys that would be talking about this who will talk about it in other um, schools and universities. But um, he says in an introduction to The Scandal of Secular Bioethics, what happens when the culture acts as if there is no God? That's a that's a piece that was written by this H. Tristam Engelhart Jr., who's also well known. I I don't I wasn't aware of him, but the people that are in bioethics they all know who he is. So anyway, this this Mark Cherry professor was writing about that about the and he wrote an abstract on it. And let me just share his words. And I want I I'm laboring it to be sure to give you the context of this. He said, this article explores the limits of secular philosophy, talking about Engelhardt's paper. He said, secular philosophy and philosophical reason. It argues that once one abandons God, the philosophical reason is unable to establish any particular bioethics or understanding of morality as canonical, that is, as definitively true and binding. Philosophy simply cannot secure the truth of any particular account of the right, the good, the just, or the virtuous. Once one abandons God, all is approached as if it were without ultimate meaning. Throughout the article, he says, this Tristram Englehart argues in his other piece titled After God, Morality and Bioethics in the Secular Age, he argues that traditional Christianity is not a lifestyle choice, choice but much less, uh, much less another meta-narrative that one chooses and writes for himself. It's an encounter with God who changes everything. Christian bioethics must be appreciated in terms of an encounter with and an authentic experience of God whose commands will routinely conflict with the moral dictates of secular morality. That's the problem that we have in America today. We have performing Christians who are not really Christians in the sense of knowing God, and these bioethicists have figured that out and they're writing about it. And they're getting some traction. And more and more people are saying, boy, we need something. We need some kind of a change. And in bioethics, these guys are being heard. And I hope there will be more to come, and I feel that there will be in every aspect of life in America. So no, no, the government should not be the dictator and the teacher of morality, but they should create an environment where the people of God can express themselves in freedom of worship and freedom of religion and infuse, as Daniel Webster says, these principles into the culture of America. That is the answer to the issues of our day. 
I'm out of time, but thank you for being with me today. It's always a privilege and a pleasure. And thank you for your support. We need it. We need it each month. To all of you who support us, thank you. To those of you who are about to, thank you. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.